Welcome back to the Confident Teen Podcast. It has been my deepest intention over the past four years on my own journey to provide value and to help support other souls, especially teens. I am a mama of two, a wife, a certified teacher, and a holistic health coach. I believe in the power of sharing our stories and our lessons to help support others. I also believe confidence is deeply rooted within us all. We have just forgotten how to access it. My hope is that you know, adult or teen, that you are worthy, you are capable, and your potential is limitless. I am so grateful to have you here. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I am so grateful to have you here to listen to another episode and very excited to be reintroducing my returning guest, Pamela Brett. So Pamela is somebody that I would call, consider the math expert. And I just love, love, love diving deep into conversation with her about math and how we can really help cultivate confidence in that regard. Because what both of us have noticed in our, you know, 10 plus, I'm not really sure what it is for her, but careers in the field of education is that math seems to be that subject that causes so much frustration, so much overwhelm, a lack of self-worth and just feeling like, you know, I can't do this. And it also, to me, what I have noticed is, and even this is from a lens of my own life, it's the one area in school, especially that I was constantly wanting to give up on myself. So we really dive deeply into, you know, the ways in which we can really help our students, our children, our teens really understand that there is this cycle, this belief cycle. And once we really tap into that, um, that is where the magic happens. So I'm very, very excited to be sharing Pam today and all of her knowledge with all of you. Welcome back to the podcast. It's another beautiful day for a meaningful conversation with a returning guest that I'm so very excited for you to meet if perhaps you haven't listened to our our last episode, which I can't remember what episode that was right now. So I'll have to link it in the show notes because it was also very, very informative. So with that, I'm going to let Pam introduce you and introduce herself to all of you. Thanks so much, Christy. I'm so excited to be back on the podcast today. And yeah, so my name is Pam Brett, and I am an educational consultant. I am a math specialist. I have been teaching math for my entire career, which is a very long time. Um, and I really, I, I've evolved over the years of what, like dialing into what students need help with in math and teachers. So I work with both, I actually primarily work with teachers um, to help them to become better math teachers and to develop confidence in themselves as math teachers. And then I work with students um, as well by default. And I'm sort of stepping into this parent space too, where I've, I had about a decade ago, I had a parent, I had a, a bunch of parents reach out to me and ask me questions about how do I help my kids with this quote unquote new math? And so I started having these like uh, groups come to my house actually. And a decade later, people are still talking about this, that my, my one friend actually yesterday said to me, I spent two hours with you. And then I felt like I can completely help my kid with math. And so, and it's like changed to actually change her relationship with her son, because instead of fighting with him over math homework, she was able to be more compassionate in helping him when he was struggling with math homework at night. So yeah, so that's what I do. And it's, 
Oh, I love all of that so much. So you already know we were kind of chatting before we actually hopped on here to start recording, but I've told you this prior to even this conversation, but my confidence and math, especially in high school, I can remember actually, it probably like goes back to even like grade school. I never honestly truly felt confident in math. And to me, I'm not really sure the exact reasons why. I mean, this was a long time ago, but I know that I still have those same feelings today. Like that stays so deeply rooted if it's not something that you, you know, you look at and you don't challenge that story. But I, I can actually remember in high school, like always wanting and needing to like copy off my friend or always needing to ask for extra support, but then feeling, you know, feeling like you didn't have that, that strength there or that muscle just wasn't building itself and you couldn't understand why. And yeah, I just know even for myself with the clients that I have been working with and seeing that math, especially when we're talking like academics, when they come for me to me for help with school, math seems to always be that piece, the a big piece of, uh, of the problem. They feel frustrated, they feel overwhelmed. And oftentimes I'm having parents tell me, you know, that they just, they shut down. And as you just said, like with that parent and that child that you were able to, you know, help them connect, um, that, that is, that's what it's doing in other families too, right? That frustration, it just blows up and yeah, the, the connection is lost and there's really just uh, a big gap in knowing how to support them and how to help them cultivate that confidence when it comes to math. And the reason that I, I love having conversations with you about this is because you, like me, um, we just, we know that deep down these kids are capable. Their potential is limitless. Absolutely. They are able to learn and to understand but maybe it's just the way in which they're learning and understanding that's not working for them. So I'm just so excited to dive into this conversation. So where to begin? Well, I just kind of spoke a little bit about my feelings and math when I was younger. So I'm curious, you know, what would you say to your teen self? I'm going to start here with you. What would you say Ooh. to your teen self, Pam, um, if you I could go back? It. Okay. So it's so interesting. That's a great question because a lot of times when I tell people what I do for a living, um, they're like, oh, you must be a genius. You know, it's like, it's so interesting because they think like, oh, because I am quote unquote good at math that I, you know, that I'm somehow at this different level of a person. And so I just, so let me get back. So I'll answer your question and then I'm going to dig a little deeper with this. So as a teenager, I was in the like higher level math classes, but the only way I survived those higher level math classes is my friends and I would have what my father called calculus parties. So my friends would come over to my house and my mom would provide the Doritos and the Coca-Cola and we would sit around the dining room table and I still have like visceral memories of us sitting and struggling through these problems. So we really helped one another. Um, I don't know why we didn't go for extra help with the teacher, but anyway, you know, we all survived. But if I even dial back before that, when I was in middle school, I, I got a D in, it was either algebra or pre-algebra. It was seventh grade, so it must have been pre-algebra. And I'll never forget seeing that D on my report card and thinking, hold on, I've always, I was always like the gold star kid in like when I was little, it was like, you know, those mad minutes and those quick, like, those quick tests that they used to give us, like the timed tests on like how quickly you spit back the multiplication facts. And I was always gold star, top of the class. Then I got to middle school and I got this, this D, this one marking period, because as soon as, 
you know, the X's and Y's were introduced, I was like, wait, hold on a second. I don't understand the whole, the, the whole introduction of taking it from that very concrete and being able to memorize into reasoning about what makes sense. And before we popped on today, we were talking about word problems. It was like those word problems and all the sense making. I had sort of like, sometimes I say, and this is not really a great analogy, but like all that sense making had been beaten out of me because I had this belief that in order to be good at math, I just had to memorize what the teacher said, spit it back, and that's how I would get the gold star. But that's not what mathematics is. That's maybe you can kind of say arithmetic, but what mathematics is, is reasoning, sense-making, problem-solving. So if we look at like the world believes, maybe I shouldn't, the, the United States, the, the belief about what it means to be a good at math in the general population is quick, accurate, efficient, that's it. But there's this other piece about mathematics, actually a bigger piece, it's about that flexibility and reasoning. It's about being able to take what you learn from one problem and apply it to another problem. And as humans, we're wired to do that. We're wired to be able to say, oh, like even if you think about toddlers, like they, you know, they stand up and they, they hold on to something as they're just learning how to walk and then they fall down. And then they, they never just fall down and say, that's it, I'm done. I'm never trying that again, right? They always keep, they like, okay, well, if I, you know, if I step this way or I step that way, then I can walk another step and walk another step. And that's how we as humans learn how to do anything, right? And with mathematics, especially school mathematics, we've this whole belief about what it means to be a math, good at math. It's like this whole, um, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling here, but it's like this, this str strange mindset that it has to be a certain way. You have to get a hundred percent. And I even had a parent last week say to me, well, you know, he did okay. He had like an 80%. And I'm like, 80% is great. Like, but we have this mindset that it has to be 90. And if it's not 90 or above, then it's not quote unquote good. And in order to get to that 90, the perception is follow what the teacher says, do what the teacher says, you know, follow the steps, not think like a problem solver. So I don't know if I answered your question about me as a, as a, as a young well child, but no, I think you did actually, because I was having a ton of aha moments and things that were coming up for me as you were speaking. And I think that's just it. It's, it's really truly about recognizing and okay, this is the way that I understood it for me as you were saying it, but knowing that it's okay to make those mistakes because those mistakes are going to challenge you to grow. It's when you make the mistake and then you give up and don't keep trying that you're not going to see the growth and the learning's not going to happen, right? And and it's all about, like you said, it's it's the belief. And this is what we're going to get into next because that that part was huge and I really wanted to to touch on that. But it's it's knowing that, you know, to cultivate that belief in oneself. Yeah. You, you just have to keep trying. You have to keep applying yourself. You have to keep showing up. It doesn't mean that you have to give it a hundred percent all of the time. Right. But there is so much knowledge in, in making mistakes. And I too, like you, when I was a teenager in high school, I can remember thinking to myself, like, if I didn't get this perfect, I wasn't good. Like the belief in myself was not there if I wasn't able to apply myself exactly the way that I was supposed to. So yeah, let's go there. Belief and math and connecting just 
you know, more feeling back into learning. Um, because that was another thing that we touched on too, before we jumped on this call was just feelings are so related to mathematics. But in my point of view, what I've always believed to be true was that mathematics was just so robotic, I guess is the only way to describe it. And that it was just something that was so up in the head, but none of it. And I I believe a lot of this with like learning in general, but I I believe that there's a huge disconnect with um, learning and our heart. And I think that that's really what we need to bring back to it. So yeah, this I'm curious if you kind of give us a visual, a visual of the of visual, the belief okay. cycle and how that can help, you know, yeah, cultivate perfect. confidence when it comes to math. Awesome. <laughs> You're like, yes, so let me, let I'm me like go. I'm like clapping. I'm like, let's go. So the, so interesting because when I was in grad school, I actually took a class and it was called, Aff- it was some, some, the title of the class I don't recall, but it was something about affect, which affect is how our emotions are, are it's all of your everything you believe and and your emotions and math and it was I was teaching at the time and I was like sitting in this class and I was like this is BS <laughs> I'm like I don't believe this I actually didn't believe it but then what was happening in my classroom and I talked about this on the last episode um, that we that I had with you was like th- there were so many emotions happening in the in the class and so let's talk about the beliefs so right now teenagers teenagers are going through a completely different world that any of us ever, I mean, you're a lot younger than I am, but even, uh, you know, pandemic, all of the things, social media. So we have to be really careful about how we show up and in, in like our beliefs about what our students are capable of. of. So I'm going to take it from like, so let's, so I want you to picture like a cycle, almost like, you know, everybody knows like the life cycle, right? So there's like, I'm going to, I want you to picture like four bubbles, right? So there's one bubble at the top and the bubble at the top says beliefs. Right, so we start off with this belief, right? So let's just take it from a teacher's perspective, right? I have this group of students and I'm sort of reflecting back on my own experience from the podcast before. So I have this group of students, they're coming to me and these students are historically having difficulty in math, right? So immediately my belief is I could I could go two ways I can think of off the top of my head. I could either believe they can't or I can believe they can. Right. So I'm going to choose to believe that these students can achieve in math, even though they have this historic, this this history of being the quote unquote worst class and not being able to achieve. So I believe that those students can do this. Okay. So then I have this thought. So the next bubble is thought. And in this from belief to thought, I'm a little bit afraid. So there's this emotion linking the belief with the thought. I'm a little bit afraid, but the thought I have is I am going to choose a problem that I think every student can engage in. These are called low floor, high ceiling tasks in the industry, but like basically something where every student can grasp onto that. And I'm going, but then other students might be able to take it further, high ceiling. So now the action is I bring that to my students, right? And while I bring it to my students, there's more feelings that are here because I bring this to my students and they're like, not this. Why don't you tell me how to do it? I, w- I want to be able. I want to be able to just follow the steps like my teacher last year and the teacher before that. But in the back of my mind, I'm still feeling like, yeah, but that didn't work for you guys clearly. So let's try something different. So the action is the third bubble, and in the action, they're they're struggling through the problem, and there's a ton of emotions on that because there's emotions coming from me as a teacher. There's coming emotions coming from the kids with this resistance of. I haven't been asked to think this way before. This is emotionally uncomfortable. Um, but then 
then the fourth bubble leading back up to the beliefs is the results. So what is the result? So students take the action, they start this messy middle, uncomfortable, then they get to the result and they say, oh, wait a minute, I can solve that problem. I did that problem. I, or I was able to contribute in this way towards solving that problem. Now we're back up to the top bubble, belief. So now as a teacher, my belief is confirmed that they can and will achieve and the beliefs of the students is also confirmed that, oh, I can do that again. And now the cycle continues, right? So now it's like, we're back to the beliefs. So now the beliefs are shifting. The only reason why the beliefs are shifting of like, I can and I will are because the teacher and the kids went through this thought action result cycle. So I hope this is making sense, but I think the point is what you were saying before is like you felt like you had to have this very robotic way of following how the problem, you know, how, how problems get solved. And that's a belief. It's not a truth. Yeah. Right. And that belief was instilled in you because of the way school is and was and still is today set up. Um, and I think you know, you talked about this muscle building, like you never had that opportunity. You weren't given the opportunity throughout your career, it sounds like, to build those muscles, which I think are built through that belief cycle, the belief, thought, action, result. Um, yeah. And I think one other thing I'm going to say is like, if you really look at whenever I, when I became a teacher, I thought, okay, what, why am I a teacher? It's not so I can collect my meager paycheck and go and do my life. It's because I want to make a difference, right? I think every teacher comes to the profession thinking, I want to come to this profession because I wanna make a difference for kids. So how do we make a difference for kids? Well, we teach them to be independent thinkers. So if we teach them that they can, if we teach them that we believe in them, that they can become independent thinkers, there's a lot of messiness and a lot of emotions that's going on throughout that process. You can't just be like, you have an independent thinker because you're in my classroom for five days. It takes, like in my case, when it, with that one particular group of students, it took me till February to finally get them. And school starts in September here. So from February till September, that was when they finally started to really believe in themselves. But that belief cycle, and I didn't even know that I was doing this belief cycle thing back then. I was just sort of surviving one day after another. But what I noticed is that it was it's like we talk about in our community, rinse and repeat, like every day showing up and asking them why, how do you know your answer is correct again and again and again until finally they were like, well, my answer is 52 because... And I'll never forget that one moment when a student just said, my answer is 52 because, and then like rattled off the reason why. And I'm like, ha, ah, like the heavens opened up. Because I took them through that cycle over and over again without even knowing it and held space for their emotions mm -hmm. in a compassionate way, right? We were on a, this podcast is about the compassion. And compassion for myself knowing that at the end of every day if I got to the lesson the end of the lesson and the students didn't understand or didn't fin finish their thinking compassionate with myself and with them this is another piece that I think we get there's a misconception that you get to the end of the lesson there has to be some type of closure and everybody has to understand everything and what I would say to my kids is I would say let's let this marinate overnight and 
I would say more to- more often than not, they would come back and say, oh, I thought about that and now I understand. Or now I have a different perspective or now I can take it to the next step. Um, I love yeah. I love so much of what you're saying. I'm like, the okay, so the contribution, when you said about contribution, actually, it's funny. So as you were speaking, I was kind of like tying this into just other areas in our lives, right? So it's about recognizing that, yeah, every day making a small contribution to something, that is an achievement. That is a huge achievement. So I thought to myself, like even back when I first started running, I didn't just start running. I started walking and then I would do little sprints here and there. And over time with practice and consistency, now four years later, I've decided that my body is finally ready and that I've built the muscles and the endurance and the belief in myself to be able to want to even sign up for a full marathon, for example. So I guess that that's what it is to me too. It's it's that knowing that, you know, you don't need to walk into a homeroom math class and just expect to get everything right off the bat. I feel like the, the the small achievements of just celebrating, hey, I remember the formula for this problem and I'm going to put mm-hmm. that down on paper. But now from here, I have no clue where to go. And asking for help is okay. Yes. So this is another thing that I wanted to touch on with you and that just came to mind. So I'm very happy that I remembered this, but <laughs> this is something that comes to me often too with the clients and the parents that I speak with is that, and I I actually just heard this recently from a client that I am working with, all of the progress, the time that he has put in showing up to dedicate himself to working through all of the credits that are needed for him to finish high school, because he is seeking help and needing help from me um, as an educator, as a support person, as a mentor, he doesn't see that that work is actually a reflection of him. He still believes that it's a reflection Mm. of of me, right? Because that's another story and another narrative that, you know, needs to be looked at, changed, talked about is, is like kids need to, teens need to, people in general, even myself need to stop thinking that asking for help is a weakness. When in fact, like I know now for sure that it is probably one of the, biggest strengths that you can have within yourself is to know that asking for help is actually very, very, what am I trying to say here? Brave, courageous. I mean, just so many, so many things. And, and honestly, without like all of the support and the help that I asked for over the last four years, like I would, I would not be where I am. It's definitely me that got me here. I had to take the action, but having somebody to guide me has been a game changer. So curious your thoughts on that. A hundred percent. And I think this gets back to the, you know, that belief that math is this like sort of solitary endeavor. Mm-hmm. It's so not. It's just like anything. Like you said, I mean, anything that you we want to learn, we can always learn something from collaboration. Now I will say it's interesting because when I go to like a workshop or something and let's suppose that the speaker gives us a word problem or math problem, I do like to have that independent thinking time first. And I would mm-hmm. actually do that in my classroom. We would call it think, pair, share, you know, strategy. You, you probably use think, pair, share, where you give a couple minutes to think, then, then you can pair up with somebody, then you share with a bigger group um, so that students, kids have an opportunity to think on their own. But like 
yeah, this whole concept of like extra help, or even like I have two teenagers of my own and I say, well, did you go to the teacher to get some extra help? And it's like, maybe we should change the word extra help. Like maybe it's not, I don't know, maybe that, that whole term is, uh, it, it gives like a negative connotation that you have to do something extra. It's, it, maybe it's not extra. Maybe it's just, it's, it's the support, right? It's, I mean, I just need some support. And yeah. I do think like there's this whole, um, yeah, like getting, getting kids to collaborate and understanding that collaboration is part. I mean, if you think about that's what we're preparing them for in life, right? Is collaboration. And we can do that through mathematics in a really easy way by giving students that knowing that, you know, this whole, it's like this dialogue about back and forth about, well, I tried this and then this didn't work. And, and I would say that I've been saying to teachers for years, when you go to a student and you say to them, show me where, you know, you want it. Let's suppose you're in a classroom and kids are working on a problem and you go up to the student, your intention of going to the student to see how they're, um, to see their progress should not be perceived by the student as a check-in to see if they're right or wrong. Yeah. Right. It's more of like, Hey, I'm just checking in to see what you're thinking right now. It, it's like just shifting the language is so let's, let's just see what you're thinking right now. Not like, do you have the right answer? Because I would no. notice kids would come up. I, I would go, I would go to, especially with that group that I was talking about in the last podcast, I would go to their, desk and they'd be like you know kind of like and people can't see me on because I'm not on camera but like they would literally like physically shrink away from me like oh my gosh like is she gonna judge me I'm like no I just want to see what you're thinking and that again back to the belief cycle as I would come to them they would believe that I'd there to check in on them to make sure that they were right or wrong but then as I showed them through my actions that I was really just there to check in to see where they were so that if they needed some collaboration we could collaborate. And if they, and if they didn't want to collaborate with me, maybe there was another student at a different, in a different group who was on the same page as them. So to have that, you know, the collect, you know, to have that collaboration. Yeah. Something that just flashed for me too. Yeah. Something that just flashed for me too, I feel like is, and again, this can be applied to anything, but rather than checking in for, you know, the right and wrong, like you said, um, it's more about checking in. Like, I feel like a, a way of shifting that and changing that would be almost like what we do in our community. So checking in on their wins. So like, let's celebrate the the small, like okay. small, whatever it is that you were able to accomplish today, but then also making sure that we check in to see if they have any asks and making sure that they know for, for that moment in time that asking for, for what they need support with. Yeah. That, that is where you will start to, to see the growth, but it's knowing or it's having the courage to actually ask and knowing that that doesn't make you any less than. And oftentimes, this is what I've noticed in community, in conversation with people. Um, and I know that this isn't maybe something that we are so aware of in our teen years, but if you're struggling with something or something is really challenging you, chances are you are not the only one in the room. In fact, you're probably one of the whole because I, I, I just, I, I truly believe that now, like after connecting with so many people over the past four years on my own journey and hearing their stories, like you just, you have no idea with what other people are struggling with. And I, I can almost guarantee that if you raise your hand and ask the question, 
almost everybody in the room is going to learn something from you being brave enough to do that. A hundred percent. And I love, I just want to circle back to what you were saying about the wins and the asks, because that's something that I'm actually, I have a student coming here today to work on eighth grade algebra and I'm going to sit with him and ask him like, what are your wins so far this year? Before we even dive into the math, before I even say, open your book or open your Chromebook or whatever he, you know, tell me what are your wins? And I think it's going to probably take him off guard at first, but I think like we get back to that like cycle of like that, the, or the, the muscle building, like you were saying before about the muscle building, it's like muscle building in asking for help. Yeah. It takes time. Like you were saying with your running, it's like the first time you ask, it's like, oh my gosh, you know? And then the second time it gets easier and easier and easier till the point where you're like, oh, this is necessary. Like I have to, I have to have collaboration. And, and then that becomes a win in itself. And celebrating yeah. ourselves. Like I do know <clears throat> when we check in with our community and for those who don't know this, we are in a community together. We have the same coach and we've been together for quite a while. I feel like it's been over a year for sure. But every week, every Friday, we need to check in with our community and we need to post our wins, maybe our habits that we're working on and any asks that we have. And having that consistent practice for close to two years for me now has really shifted so much for me too. Because before I, I know for sure that I was never celebrating myself enough. And even just when I say wins, it doesn't have to be anything extreme or extraordinary. It can be the smallest, mm-hmm. the smallest of successes that you, that you've had in that day. And again, it's individual to each person. Um, it depends on where you're at with your own life and your own goals. So yeah, I just feel like that's so important. Oh, I can't wait to hear how that goes. Actually, you're going to have to connect with me and let yeah. me know. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. I'll send you a message. Definitely. But, you know, and Christy, we, you were just talking about like how important it is to celebrate wins. And I'm thinking about the teenagers of today. Like I kind of mentioned this earlier, the comparison game, right? The social media comparison game and the the speed at which everything is is happening. It's like now more than ever, now more than ever, this is, a fu- this is our future generation like their mental health is so important. And if we can just start with wins with these kids, and I think about my own my own teenagers, it's so interesting because just a, a couple of weeks ago, it was the end of the marking period. And I sat down with my husband. I said, you know, there's this, you know, constant checking in with the parents with the, you know, the grades are online and the grades are on the app and now you're getting alerts when things are not handed in and da, 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 da. And I, I chose to take the app off my phone. I was like, you know what? They need to, be it responsible for their own grades and I'll check in when, you know, periodically. But it was the end of the marking period. And I said to them, you know what, this time, instead of dad and I going on your portal and looking at your grades, because there's no such thing with paper report cards, like, like back in the dinosaur age when I was a kid, um, we're going to, we're not going to go on the portal. We're going to ask you to go on the portal and you're going to sit with us and you're going to report out your grades and tell us what you did really well and what you feel like you need to improve on next time. And we just simple. And my husband, he, he has a large team that he manages. And I'm like, isn't this how you do it with your team? Isn't this how you do their, what do you call them, annual reviews or, or mid, mid-year mid reviews? You don't go through and check off all the things that they do right and wrong. You have them come to you with their accomplishments. And then you have a conversation. So we did that with our kids. And I'll get to tell you, Chrissy, at first they were like, wait, what? But like, I have to report to you. I'm like, no, no, you're just talking about 
your your achievement. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, it was a game changer because I did not have a computer in front of me. I said, if you need to have your computer or you need your, your phone or whatever to pull up your grades, great. They were like, I put them in control. And I think this gets back to what we've been talking about this whole conversation. It's putting the kids back in control of their own thinking and their own learning and believing that they can do that. And when we can yeah. believe the kids can look at and say, oh, I have something to contribute. I believe I have something to contribute. Then that leads to the thought. Then that leads to the action, their engagement. And then that leads to the result. And we rinse and repeat and continue that with, you know, it doesn't have to just be math. It can be anything with these teenagers. I just, you know, I worry about them. And I, but I know that with people like you and me, and as we get this word out here, and hopefully people will listen to, you know, this and share it, share that we really have to start thinking about providing that compassion in their like these kids are growing they're not just like they're not cookie cutter out of the out of the mold and as they grow they're going to make mistakes to be compassionate with those mistakes so that the students can the the children can continue to believe in themselves and um yeah really grow and know that they're still worthy I feel like is huge too that's literally the word that was flashing in my mind as you were saying all of that Oh, I feel like we could talk forever, but I know that so much value was shared today, Pam. I'm so, so grateful for you. Um, and in the, the spirit of sharing, I want you to share where everybody can find you, connect with you, your podcast and, and all the things I'm just, I'm so, so excited that, yeah, that you have, uh, what you have going on and that you're sharing what you are sharing with the world. Awesome. Uh, and I feel the same way because I would like to hear, you know, maybe sh- share where you're, where we can find you, but um, okay. So blue glasses, so I started a podcast very recently and, and uh, you can just look at, look it up. It's on all platforms, Spotify, Apple music, tune in radio. So it's called blue glasses math. And the podcast is about changing our perspective on what it means to be a math person. And I talk a lot about really what we talked about today and, um, and how we as parents, educators, teachers, administrators, students can see ourselves differently as math people. And then I'm also hanging out on Instagram right now. So at Blue Glasses Math, same, same handle. And I would love, I'm looking for guests too. So I would love, love for people to send me a DM at Blue Glasses Math so that I can have conversations with parents, administrators, teachers, students, so we can continue the conversation. Yeah. And we did say, I did, you just reminded me that we did say that we were going to cross collaborate on this conversation. So I will right now I will share where people can find me since you're going to plug this into your podcast as well. Uh, So yeah, my name is Christy Simons and you can find me. I'm most active on Instagram at confident teen teacher. And then obviously right here at the confident teen podcast, and that's available on all platforms as well. Probably the easiest ways to find me. Just send me a message, reach out, send me a DM. Um, also, I loved what you said about sharing. So I would encourage people to, to share this conversation, share it with as many people as you know, especially people that you you feel could benefit from it. If they're struggling with math, with anything, right, in terms of confidence and self-belief. Um, yeah, we are here to support and help you to answer any questions that you have. And yeah. I think that's it. I'm so grateful for you. I actually don't want to let you go, but same thing. I'm so grateful for you. I think we're doing really important work. And I think if we get the word out there, more people are going to like follow suit, 
right? We need, we need a, it's like, it's a village. We get, we've got to embrace these kids. Yeah. And this won't be the last conversation I could see us having. Again, we're both growing and learning too. And I just can't wait to see um, what comes of this in the future and, and yeah, more learning that we can share to help others grow as well. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time and your space today. This was so lovely. Thank you, Christy. Thank you so much for showing up today and for taking the time to listen to another episode. If any part of this episode resonated with you, I would greatly appreciate if you would share it with somebody else who may need to hear it too. Please don't forget to be brave, to trust yourself, and when you're ready, take action. Thank you.